The ties between Luxembourg and China are plenty, as witnessed by the daily rumble of Luxcargo 747s making their way to the Far East. But how does it feel to come from one of the most populous countries in the world and live in one of the smallest ones? My name is Aliash Pengobitens and this is Lux Ventures, your podcasting guide to navigating life in the Grand Duchy. In this podcast, I trick unsuspecting expats into sharing their experience with Lützeburg, what to expect, how to adapt, when to give up and when to hold on. At the very least, I try to provide some emotional comfort. Like so many of us, Joanne Zhou ended up in Luxembourg on account of her significant other landing a job here. Coming from what in bureaucratic parlance is known as a third country, she and her family had to jump through even more hoops than most people interviewed on this podcast. But being a journalist herself, she had the ability to see Luxembourg from a different perspective, especially in the context of covering the COVID-19 pandemic and China's management, or mismanagement depending on your point of view, of the crisis. No wonder then that the media aspect of the coronavirus emergency was the opening theme of our conversation. Joan Zhou, uh, welcome to Lux Ventures and uh, thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Um, if I understand, I understood correctly, you work in the media. Yes, I used to before I came to Luxembourg. Yeah, I worked in... That, that was my second question and it usually is the first question I, I, I pose to everyone on Lux Ventures. What brings you to Luxembourg? Well, that's very simple in my case, because it's just because my husband, in the beginning of the year 2017, my husband had an offer for a four-year contract. Well, he, he's working for the same company, the, the same Chinese company, uh, but they have an, an opening here in Luxembourg. So uh, he accepted this offer and our whole family moves over here with him. I'm curious, as a family, going from one of the most populous and one of the biggest countries in the world to one of the smallest countries in the world on another continent. Uh, how much of a shift of a change was that for you, personally for you? Well, because we were actually, each one of us in the family were, was really happy and excited to embrace this new life in a different parts of the world. So... I don't. I won't say the, there had been a really big changes, drastic changes in our lives. Not really, because we were excited, we were curious. We would, yeah, we, we were just. Every one of us was ready to embrace this new life. So, if there were changes, I would say everything was actually positive. Great to hear. Uh, you hail. You come from Beijing, uh, Chinese capital. I won't ask you to compare. Luxembourg City and, 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 and Beijing, but uh, what were, um, in perhaps in your daily routine or daily life, what were the biggest changes uh, compared to, to living in the two cities or what is it that you have the possibility to do in Luxembourg that you didn't do in, in, in didn't have in Beijing and vice versa? Okay. Well, personally, the, the, the one big difference between my life here in Luxembourg and what I used to have in Beijing was that because I'm not 
I'm, I'm not working full time anymore here in Luxembourg. So personally, I've had so much time on my own. And because of that, there are so many things that I, that I can do. I have, for example, the liberty of the time management to, to stay home, to, to, do, uh, to read more. And also to, for example, I, I work part time as a translator. Many of the years, even when I was a journalist, sometimes I, when when people ask me, do you have time to translate something, and I I would always happily say yes. So in in this case now I have the time. I don't have a full time job now, so I can translate all the books that I love, and I have time for that, which I didn't have as much time when I was in Beijing. And secondly, I I love languages. I love learning foreign languages, and here I have the um. Time that I didn't used to have to learn French, which is a, actually has been a language of my dream for many many years. And everybody say says that French is one of the most beautiful languages in the world. And now I have the time to do that, which was not entirely impossible in Beijing. But actually, here I have this access to the best quality, the best resources, teaching resources here. And yeah, just the other day, I heard from my a group of uh, of of other French learners in in China. Well, people say, well, I've been learning French for three years, but I've never ever spoken for、uh, with a real francophone. And I was thinking, oh wow, we are so lucky because we are here in Luxembourg. We are with speaking with the francophones so often, as often as we we can. So. These are yeah, these things, and also I have more time at home, so I can care more. I can be a housekeeper now, which which is a job I really didn't imagine that would love before, and I even I've even started to love cooking, which was really beyond my imagination in the past. Yeah. Well, I should、uh, make the full disclosure that、uh, the two of us met in French class, so、uh, at least in part, I、uh, I agree with your assessment of the French French language and, of course, the learning possibilities、uh, here in Luxembourg. But、um, speaking of cooking, and I and I love to cook as well.、Um, there's been an awful lot of that going on, not just in Luxembourg, but around the people with the people I know. Because of the quarantine now and and the lockdown, people were at home and they started、uh, exploring other things. One of them,、uh, cooking.、Um, I don't to be you know stereotypical here, but when you cook, do you cook、uh, primarily Chinese cuisine or do you experiment with other uh, uh, other cuisines? Well, I I started with the with the Chinese cuisines because these are this comes easier for me. I've been eating Chinese food all my life. Well, not all my life, half of my life, and <laughs> I it, it's really easier to to start with. And I used to have a lot of difficulty when I. I never when I was younger. I never tried to to work out with the the dough, and I thought when when you have all this dry flour and with the with the water when they mix together, I just don't like. I didn't like that that sticky sensation on my fingers. I I was scared of that. But because my 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 husband is from、um, the northwest part of China, which is an area that people. 
actually eat so much flour, so much wheat. And there was a time when he was younger, when he was in university in Beijing, he was really scary of going to the canteen, the school, school canteen for dinner because they served only rice. There was no noodle, there was no bun, there was no, nothing of the, the, the special delicious wheat uh, product that he loved. And so, and, and my son too, because he's, I think he's also the love for wheat is in his DNA. He just, he also loves wheat and pan and everything. So I, will, I started with the making doughs and making the Chinese style steamed bread and dumplings and noodles and everything by hand. And yes, and, and because of the um, confinement, the lockdown, uh, I've, been ha- I've been having more time for, for, to work on that. And, and, and the more, I'm, the more I, I work on it, the more I love it. That's really interesting. <laughs> Well, it seems to me that I'm the only person in the world who hasn't come out of the lockdown with a new, a new ability or uh, something else that, that that he learned. That time just seems to have passed. Um, one of the reasons we're we're uh, talking today is that uh, the other day in our class uh, you had a very very interesting presentation on. Uh, well, the the way that the um, coronavirus crisis was covered in Chinese media and in the Luxembourgish media, um, but I was specifically drawn to your description, uh, your presentation of the Chinese media uh, landscape, so to speak. You're a media, you're a media professional, and um, there is, um, shall I say, a very uh, broad and and possibly not nuanced enough the, the way uh, we Euro- Europeans see the Chinese media is we usually get just state media and then there are references to some social media networks such as Weibo and so on but uh, you painted a very uh, more diverse and very very different picture um, where do Chinese and where do you uh, Chinese woman in Europe in Luxembourg get your information on the on events in China. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very good question, a very professional question that mostly the, the media workers would, uh, would would probably ask. Well, uh, interestingly, uh, Mira, uh, yeah, I, I start with your uh, with where you end. It, it's like we, yeah, you you just mentioned Weibo, and we. It, in fact, this is one of my my sources for uh, following up Chinese uh, news events, and also there is the what we call the WeChat in in English. That's also a very popular social networking um, application. We use it mainly on on our smartphones, and that's like a very a very big collection. It's like a reservoir, an ensemble of all different resources and from the state media from the uh, traditional uh, the newspapers the TV and, and also from the social media so it's it's like a collection uh, a general uh, source of, of everything so um, the problem is you when, when you read is you've got to distinguish because sometimes we read something today but and overnight, everything changed, and we constantly we learn from we learn 
that's the, the the same story we read yesterday was was wrong, was biased, was not was really just a one sided view, and that's very common. But that's the uh, as I also mentioned the other day during my presentation, it's really like the、uh, sources for、uh, news and information in China. Are really、uh, diverse, far more diverse than I can、uh, see here in Luxembourg. But that's probably because I'm not、uh, originally from Luxembourg, so I know definitely I know more about the Chinese media than I do about the Luxembourgish media. So our our teacher, for example, she's lo- she's local, and probably she will know more about the Luxembourgish because for for example, she tells me my. Analysis of the、uh, Luxembourgish media exposure of the COVID nineteen was not really、uh, that representative of the true picture because. Of course, because of my limited access to news and information, and also because of the language barrier, so I didn't really cover much into the uh, uh, in-depth investigative reports by the Luxembourgish media here. And that's because I I didn't really have that much access to the,、um, the some of the the the, the reports here. But you touched on an interesting topic now.、Um... From a European perspective, the story seems to have repeated from country to country. First, it was a bit of denial, then it was shock, then it was mild or not so mild panic, and then、uh, realization that there is not enough equipment and in intensive care units, and then sud- somehow things got under control with regard to the coronavirus,、uh, to the COVID nineteen disease, and.、Um, The same story seems to have played out in every single country in Europe,、uh, be it Slovenia, be it Luxembourg, be it Italy, be it France, and then now in 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 in、uh, UK and then the United States, etc., etc. There seems to have been some resentment towards China for uh, in in uh, in Europe. Uh, for what was per- perceived to be as not sharing information soon enough, how do you feel was the Chinese part of this uh, uh, emergency covered in European media when things were going、uh, happening in China? Was was Europe still complacent? Were Europe、uh, specifically European media were they paying enough attention in、uh, in your opinion? It's not necessarily a scientific now、um, uh, discourse now, but in your opinion, as a media professional, were European media、uh, the the one that you had access to, paying enough attention to events in China?、Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I would say the most of the European media here,、um, they are really paying much attention to media in China because I was just like I said in our in my presentation the other day. When the, in、uh, in January, when the、uh, the news was going on in China, it was、uh, in overnight. It has it had become、um, a global event, and I I hear every time we went out for a car ride, we we heard on this、uh, radio in France. 
French, and we we heard so often in the car about everything that was going on in Wuhan, and they also had live reports.、Uh, they they have similar similar telephone interviews with French people living in China, living in Wuhan as the epicenter of the epidemic at that time. Yeah, and I would say the the European media had its share of the、uh, what what was going on in China. And about this resentment towards the Chinese for this、uh, exposure of information, well, I just as you said, is it's almost the same story going on everywhere. It's not really at the beginning. It was not really. Because the Chinese are, were trying to hide the information from the public, this was because people needed time to to respond, and they need the time to think about it. Because whenever something came up, people just have this because people didn't have the the same experience before, even though China. Suffered already the epidemic, the SARS epidemic in two thousand and three. It was a long. It was well. We thought it was a nightmare at that time, but it came to nothing compared with this. What we with the COVID nineteen of this year. So the um and the SARS also um attacked mainly Beijing, my city. There were so many. Uh, casualties, so many patients in in Beijing, and then it was. But here, this time, the epicenter of the COVID nineteen started in Wuhan. So and but unfortunately, or fortunately, Wuhan was not really affected much by the SARS seventeen years ago. So this is was one of the reasons why the people, the authorities in Wuhan. Uh, seemingly did not respond fast enough. They were they were hoping, no, this is not going to be well. That's several cases, occasional cases. So who knows what was was the real problem? And before scientists or lab work could reveal the true cause of the、uh, epidemic, nobody knew what, what what was going on. So and and then the again the media in China and tried very hard to provide accurate reports. With no humor, with no, with because a, a traditional media like what what we can read here, the、uh, reports by the、uh, state media, for example, they couldn't. They were not like the social the social media. They couldn't report anything. When they get something, they couldn't report it until they have the authoritative quotes, the lab research, the the, the reports from specialists. They couldn't reveal whatever was not、uh, certain. So that was why there was a a, a time delay in uh, uh, before everything was turning up. That was why we as Chinese here、uh, living here in Europe, we were so anxious when、uh, the the epidemic moved. All this way, also here in Europe, we were we had a feeling that here the, the authorities were also hesitating before before taking decisive actions. For example, to when should they start the lockdown and whether they should close schools and whether they should ban this big gathering to prevent the virus from being transmitted from people to people. And we were really, we were really hoping. No, please, because China had already suffered so much. So it's a, it's a lesson for the rest of the world. We don't, we don't say about who is responsible for nobody. I don't believe there is any government in the world who would really deliberately hide anything from the public. 
in order to make the situation worse. No government in the world was going to do that. So, but everybody, uh, whatever they say, whatever they do, they, they mean well. But we were thinking, no, please don't delay because the, the example was already there. The damage was already done. You, everybody know that. But, but still, people, again, people needs the time. The government needs the time to respond. But Do, do you think Lux, the Luxembourgish authorities, uh, health authorities, school authorities reacted, swi- I mean, swiftly? Obviously, everything could have been done, looking back, could have been done quicker and better and everything. But given the information that they were provided with, do you think that they uh, acted quickly enough? Uh, it was not bad, I would say. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a fair assessment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was not so bad. But I, I have to, well, I have to say this was not too bad because Luxembourg is a much smaller country. Yeah, because we can see that the the damage was was worse, which was was far worse in the United States, in, in even in France, where our close neighbor. Because the because they are the population is bigger, and whenever the in, in a bigger country with more people, and then it's always difficult. It's always more complicated. But but here I would say, fortunately, because we have just here just more than slightly more than six hundred thousand people here in Luxembourg. So, uh, what well, I would say, public administration and social management is really the the governance really come comes. Uh, I won't say easier because I don't. I don't think uh, it's fair to say any government's job is is easy. It's not easy, but uh, just whenever the actions ha- have been taken rightly, then it 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 just shows the the effects comes come out more, more quickly than in a, a bigger country. I would say. Yeah. Speaking of of uh, being uh, things doing easy or not, and um, now we'll move away from the coronavirus because there's so much to this world uh, than more than d- d- just this this bloody disease. Um, now that you've been in Luxembourg for what two three years, uh, is it easy living here? Do you find it hard? Do you miss anything? Well, it takes a bit time to get uh, to to get used to to life here because it's a new environment anyway. Well, I arrived here in August two thousand seventeen, so it will soon be three years exactly since we came. And for me, it comes really not that difficult, except for except that at the very beginning, I had some problem with uh, languages because when I first came here, when uh, when I really need. Uh, I had a feeling that when the the, the people, well, actually a, a large proportion of the population here speak English. But unfortunately, when I first came here, I needed more often to go to, for example, the supermarket. When I went to the immigration office to get my all the procedures to go for the uh, health checks and everything, when, when I needed to get all my paperwork done, and then... I found that the people whom from whom I needed more help 
did not necessarily speak English. For example, the、uh, the, the the workers at the、uh, supermarkets and the 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 man on the streets whom I met on the road. She asked for the way, and then there were people asking me, "Hey." But you don't don't you speak French? Don't you you don't even speak German? But come on, when I I used to live in China, and in China people really until today many people believe if you speak English that means you have the whole world in your hands, which is apparently not true here in Europe. <laughs> Yeah, and I was so shocked when 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 people asked me, "But you don't even speak German?" I said,、oh, "Wow, how many people in China would be be able to speak German?" Well, there are many, but、um, if you calculate that in terms of the、uh, proportion, the percentage of the population, that's really very very few people.、Uh, but that's interesting. And again, interestingly. After I I started to learn in I started to learn French two years ago, and when I was able to communicate a little bit in in French, I found more people around me actually speak English. More people speak English nowadays than I used to know. <laughs> That's an interesting point. Yeah. And you're right, and sometimes that drives me mad as well. Here we were spending weeks and weeks and weeks learning French, and now suddenly everybody speaks English. Yeah,、uh, that's just and Luxembourgish. <laughs> Actually, I I, I and, found also、yep. there are so many people.、Uh, for example, I'm with because my my son is a fencer. He's been in epifencing. He's been passionate about that sports for ten years by now, and he he's a member of a fencing club. And what at the beginning, both of us struggled with French because everybody spoke French. And then、um, we are happy now because we we can both speak some French. But then suddenly they they have. Because of the lockdown, they have a a WhatsApp group, and then we suddenly thought, well, how come everybody else was speaking Luxembourgish? And with Luxembourgish, you know, sometimes it's even it's even difficult for Google Translate to translate properly from Luxembourgish into an, any one of the other target languages. I thought, oh wow, that's really sad. Because finally, we are able to communicate in French, and then everybody is has moved on to Luxembourgish. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always life is full of small challenges. Yes, exactly.、Um, before we wrap up,、um, I just have a. I'm curious.、Uh, most of the guests in this podcast come from other countries of the European Union, which means that、uh, migrating to Luxembourg is fairly easy. But you come from what is、uh, technically known as a third country, so you had all the visa requirements and immigration laws, etc., etc. Was this a hassle for you? Uh, uh, I mean, what was your exper- experience? Uh, uh, wh- wh- was the bureaucracy helping? Not helping? Did you have to find your way through the labyrinth? Just you know, a general feeling. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it, it it was a bit complicated when it when we first came here because it took、uh, the visa procedure actually took longer than we expected because、uh, I, as I said, my husband got the um the this offer to to move over in the actually at the beginning of year two thousand seventeen, but we didn't get the the visa until August. <laughs> We we were、uh, well. It's not really nothing went wrong. Um, I guess the 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 visa for application for 
for a long term, for a longer term, I mean, you can certainly get it very quickly if you apply for a tourist visa. But for a longer duration, uh, it, I think six months is normal. And also because we probably handed in the application in March, and then uh, during these six months, there was the summer vacation when when people were away on holiday. So the the paperwork started piling up, and we were just in the middle of our application. So yeah, but 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 still, we 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 got it, and we got it just before my my son started school at the end of August. But we arrived something like the twenty third of August, so just in time for him to get started in the new school. Yeah, so it's it's fine. I think it's normal. We are, yeah. Sometimes we 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 do have to wait. But generally, I I would say the um, government here for all these things with the uh, CNS with the, all these、uh, social insurance. And with the、uh, yeah, so sometimes we, we, it, it takes a bit time and patience. But normally, I would say they are generally the government here are friendly and quite efficient. I would say.、Yeah. That's interesting to hear because、uh, I usually find that、um, people from other U- European Union countries don't really、uh, appreciate just how easy this movement of people around the EU is, and they just take it for granted. Up until the f- the, the borders close because of the coronavirus or whatever,、um, we're. Sort of about to wrap up the、uh, the final question that is、um, the same for my、uh, each and every one of my guests is、uh, what are the three things three pieces of advice that you would give to anyone to someone who is、uh, thinking of moving to Luxembourg or who is about to move to Luxembourg? What are the three things that they should really be aware of? Off the top of your head, doesn't matter what. Okay, well, because I I come from a third country, so maybe my advice would more be to、uh, the new、uh, comers from third countries like myself. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Firstly, I would say just get be ready to embrace a quieter life here because Luxembourg is small. It's really. If you love peace,、uh, peace and quiet here, you can really enjoy life because you have some. You you don't really have so much nice life. There is not so much shopping centers around, and you don't really、uh, get out so much as you used to in big cities like Beijing, New York, and Shanghai. Yeah, so just be prepared for some peace and quiet. And secondly, I would say, uh, we 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 say in China too. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. So when you are in a in a in a country like Luxembourg, just try to get involved in local life, in local communities. Find your uh find your group. Uh, find a group of interesting people. If the、uh, well during the lockdown is more likely to be online. Like、uh, I know a very good、uh, 
a very good online community called Lux Expats in on Facebook. There are so many people who are so nice, so lovely, and they they try to give information to anyone who's asking questions,、uh, asking for advice, and that's a very friendly group. Or well, the lockdown will be over soon, so try to get involved with the local communities, with get involved more physically with people around you in order to integrate better into this life here. And thirdly, try to learn a language because it's never too late to learn. It's, it's always an enriching experience to learn a new language, at least French. That's all. Joanne, thank you so much for taking the time and talking to me here on Lux Ventures. It's a pleasure. Thank you. So this is it. Thus ends the second season of Lux Ventures. To date, we've clocked in more than 1,200 downloads, and thank you for each and every one of those. Naturally, thank you for tuning in or downloading, as it were, this episode as well. And if you can, please leave a review and rate this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Don't forget to like our Facebook page and feel free to ping me on Twitter with any comments and suggestions you might have. Lux Ventures will be back with the third season after the summer break. Have a good one.